Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. The Chris and Amy Show, sponsored by Summer at SLU. Find your kids' best summer yet at St. Louis University. It's the Chris and Amy Show. Check it out. St. Louis, Mount City, we are going to have a great day today. Now, Amy Marks course, Chris Ranji on KMOX. Let's take it from the top. Good morning. It is Thursday. Amy Marks Coors, Chris Ranji. It's the Chris and Amy Show. Um, how you doing? Good? Good. We're doing great. Amy, are we doing great? Well, it's going to be, what, 64 degrees today? It's strange. But I'm excited. I don't mind it. Mm. I I know winter is supposed to be cold, and it has been for the past few-ish weeks. Few-ish. January. Mm-hmm. Now it's February 1st, and it will be 64 degrees. Yeah, which it'll is, be. It's going to be kind of fun for one day. For one day, and it's going to get back into the 50s, which I guess is kind of where it... No, not really. Probably should be in the 40s right now. Whatever. I I don't mind the cold weather. I'm perfectly fine with it. And I'm perfectly fine. We are perfectly fine with you visiting with us. 314-436-7900. We're more than fine. That's what I just said. We're thrilled. That's what I just said. Well, you said perfectly fine. 314-436-7900. Call it, text it. Uh, that voicemail number, Amy, you know what it is. Mm-hmm. 314-944-1120. Yeah. Yeah, you're doing great. Uh, we're on social media, at Chris Amy KMOX. Time now for the top of the order. The top three stories everybody will be talking about. Multiple CEOs of social media companies testifying in front of Congress yesterday got uh, pretty heated. There were a lot of moments that happened during that testimony. The likes of Mark Zuckerberg there. We will discuss that on the show today. And what should the city of St. Louis do with all that Rams settlement money? Tomorrow, tomorrow is your last day to voice your opinion on how that money should be used. And the FBI warns of China trying to hack the U.S. infrastructure. And it's not just a attempts. I mean, they're doing it right now. And uh, the FBI is is concerned about that, wants Americans to be concerned about that. And we will discuss that as well. A hearing happening this week. And like I said, Amy Marks Corps, Chris Ranji here on KMOX. And, you know, I would just hope that, you know, the, the congresswoman would will fully cooperate and um, and and, you know, and, and aside from that, we'll we'll see how things play out. That is Prosecutor Wesley Bell talking about Representative Cory Bush, who is under investigation by the Department of Justice for improper use of federal funds for personal security. She maintains that she did not use any taxpayer money Mm -hmm. to do so, that it was campaign funds, and the person she hired happened to be um, somebody very close to her, uh, somebody she was dating, and so it it is a, it, it, it appears improper, it appears like something that you would not want to be caught up in, 
right? It, to me, anyway, I think we've talked about this before, that this is the kind of behavior that even if it is legal down to the very letter, there are just some mm-hmm. things that maybe maybe you ought to not do. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of her defenses and those who are defending her posit that let me say that people are somehow against her having security. That's not, we're not against her having security. She needs security. She's a public figure. We know she's gotten death threats. A lot of people need security. It's how did she pay for that security? Who did she pay? Here's Mayor Tashara Jones. Unless anybody knows what it's like to be an African-American woman in a powerful position and a single mom and, 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 and have your life threatened on a daily basis, I I support her providing security that she needs for herself and her family. And I, I won't take anything away from what she's saying and her experiences. I, I, I do not doubt that Cori Bush, Mayor Jones, I'm, I'm certain of it, face threats probably more so than most people in public office do. Um, not everybody. I'm sure it's not the worst of everybody yeah. in the country, but I'm sure they get uh, their fair share. I'm, uh, every public official does. But I think it'd be naive to think that um, that they are not getting more of it. No, now, I, she now is, I think, the, but, but again, I will say this too, not only public official, but there's there are always gendered threats. Women get more absolutely. threats. And because she is a black woman, I know there are racial threats. So absolutely. it's like a, it's compounded. I yeah. know that. But that's not the issue. It's not the issue. And that's why Mayor Tashara Jones's defense of like, you know, unless you know what it's like. No, no. No one is that's a straw man defense. No one is saying she shouldn't have personal security. She should have personal security. I know she gets threats. That would be awful. One, how did she pay for it and to whom? And two, there are constituents, her own constituents, who rightly would say, well, I know you want to feel safe. You need to feel safe. But so does my business. So does my car in my driveway. So does my kid walking to school. And because Cori Bush was the perhaps the most vocal proponent in that position to say literally defund the police, it rubs people the wrong way. Well, and, and I would say this, that it's it's not about first of all, I don't doubt that she is. Uh, let me find a better way to say this um, there. I'm certain there are more people who are in government, who are in Congress Um who are paying their family members in some shape or other? I'm I'm certain like of it. Trump. I'm so well. Yeah. Trump hired yeah. everyone in his family, didn't he? And Corey Biden Bush hired is, Hunter Biden. If, if she did it, she's not the only one. That's my my point. Is not about her necessarily. It, I think we should come down on all these people. Mm-hmm. If anybody, it's not not just Cory Bush. Whoever it is, if you are in government, if you are an elected official, and you are getting federal money from taxpayers. It better all be spent properly. And I'm just saying that I would take it one step further and say, look, I'm not going to do anything that even might remotely appear to be improper Mm -hmm. because I don't want to give that impression. And you know what? It's unfair that there are certain politicians who are going to be looked at harder than others. But that's the game. It happens. There are people who are just going to be paid attention to. There are people in Congress who have a lot of enemies that want to see them go away, want to see them fail. So they'll be looking and nitpicking to find every little thing. So if I'm that person, and Cori Bush is one of those, 
If I'm her, I am making absolutely certain that everything I do not only is on the up and up, but appears to be on the up and up. And I'm not even going to mess around with the possibility that something looks bad. And and that's why, again... when and it the, sucks to be in that position, yeah. but that's 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 the game. When the mayor says, I can't imagine, you know, being um, Cori Bush, uh, a, a black woman who is in a, you know, a, a position of power, meaning in, in Congress and all the threats that she can face being a single mom. I get that. Again, I don't think anyone is saying she shouldn't have security. She should. I can't imagine. I, I mean, that's one reason why I wouldn't want to be in the public eye. Uh, because of what she has to face and unique too, like I said, gendered violence and threats, um, race based threats. And I think whenever you're in the public eye to a degree, look at female sports reporters like Aaron Andrew has Andrews has to have 24 seven security Yeah, on the very opposite end of the spectrum. You have Ben Shapiro, right? Who has to, he's a conservative Jewish political host. He has to have 24 seven security because of death threats. You need that security. Again, it's how is she paying? Was she using funds? Because we do know that politicians get away with a lot. But one area where they don't necessarily get away is when it comes to like that campaign finance, when it comes to federal funding with your campaign. That always that catches a lot of people. I, I know you saw by now the comments that were made by Troy Nels. Um, who is a representative, a uh, United States representative. And this is this is what he said about her to Melanie Zanona of, of CNN. He said the idea to pay her thug money to try to help her... Pro- Let me try that again. The idea to pay her thug money to try to help protect her, this and that, for what? Maybe if she wouldn't mm-hmm. be so loud all the time, maybe she wouldn't be getting threats. And so he was asked for clarification on that. Uh, Did she deserve threats? And he said, no, what I'm saying is when you're out there talking the way she does, she's pretty radical and maybe she should tone it down a little bit. See, now I'll tell you what, that's, that is a reaction that is objectionable, an absolutely objectionable thing to say about the situation. I'm going to read here was Corey Bush. Here's what Corey Bush called his remarks. Quote, absolutely ignorant anti-black, racist, and sexist tropes by a sitting member of Congress who is a colleague, and I 100% agree with Cori Bush. Though That was racist, it was sexist, and ignorant. Like, there's no hiding what when he said to it's pay bad. her thug money and she's too loud. Like, wow, this guy, with that comment, you... He, he looks like a piece of dirt. Marjorie Taylor like Marjorie Taylor Green is loud. She shouldn't be getting death threats. Right. And so And I don't know what she does. I'm, I'm sure she gets some. I don't know what the volume is, but she yeah. shouldn't get them because she's it's stupid. What a stupid thing it's to say. It's so stupid. And this is why it's like, oh my gosh. You have like I said, Corey Bush, yes, we're looking they're investigating the spending, the security. I so disagree with defund the police, but I a hundred percent with Corey Bush when she says that those remarks were ignorant and racist and sexist. Yeah, they were. Yeah, like and, that was awful. Like, and I'll tell you what, when when I people, hate that he said that. I, I do too because it when people you often hear a lot of people say, why do they always have to bring race into it? Why is everything about race? Well, okay, when a member of Congress says what he says. Yeah. Well, how do you, I mean, it's always, how do, how do you not, and, and like, how is, do you not think about it? Yeah. And this is what's frustrating to me uh, because there are, 
I, I do think there are some areas where we focus so much on immutable characteristics, we lose community and interpersonal relationships. But here's the thing. When they go, why do you have to make it about race? Well, because for 365 years, white people made it about race. I, you know, we did. We had we had slavery. We had legalized racism. You had Jim Crow. It was about race for a long time. And we're trying to heal those wounds as a country. But you it's only been, what, 60-something years since yep. the civil rights movement. It's going to take time. And Tech. then when you have comments like that, that guy made it about race. We were talking about funds. He yeah. made it about race with his ignorance. And to be comments. clear, in her statement that she read, and she didn't take any questions, and I think she should have taken questions from reporters two days ago when mm -hmm. she was at Capitol Hill, and she released the statement, then she came out onto the steps, and then she read that statement verbatim. I think she should have taken questions from reporters. But um, in that statement, she did not say that this was a racist investi investigation. She said, the Department of Justice, I'm cooperating with them, but there are people who who do have racist motivations. And I think she's right about that. I don't think she's saying that this investigation is that, that just that there are people who are doing that. By the way, text message here. Sometimes the appearance of an impropriety is worse than actually committing the act. She should have hired someone other than her boyfriend slash husband that was properly licensed or certified. Then this isn't an issue. And I, I have to be honest, I agree with that. I agree with it. Even if it is legal, she should have gone a different route. That's Amy Marks Cores. I'm Chris Ranji. Listen, we've got lots and lots of money to spend. Rams money. And Amy and I have an idea on what to do with it. Do you? We'll tell you what that is when we come back on KMOX. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. I want us to make decisions with the community and not for the community. And obviously, if people log onto a portal and they can kind of see what ideas are getting the most traction and what's not, that can influence their decisions. And we really wanted folks to just vote for how they would genuinely, truly vote, irregardless of how someone else might vote or what someone else might like to see. Seventh Ward Alderwoman Alicia Sonier talking about the Rams money that is going to be spent. There's, there are $250 million uh, of American money that are to be spent on projects pertaining to the city. You, as a citizen, have the ability to vote. Mm -hmm. You can vote up until tomorrow on a website uh, called stlewis.citizenlab.co. So you can go and, and you can vote for, there are a number of different things. Here, here's how they do it, Amy. And I was looking because you and I had a, had a great idea of what to do with this money. Mm -hmm. And what we decided was to cover the entire dome with the Chris and Amy banner. That, yeah. was, that was how we wanted to spend the $250 million. Well, that was your initial idea. But then I said, what if we had 
a Chris and Amy, instead of a banner, we had the outline that then we could pour chia seeds on and then grow, because of green space, a giant dome of me and you, but it's the chia versions of us. Well, if you're looking for weeds, there's the Millennium Hotel. That's right. That's right. That's where the weeds. Well, why not lean into weeds on the roof? Honestly, what they should do with the money. Just take care of the weeds on top of the Millennium Hotel. And I'm perfectly good. Doesn't I, matter. I don't know. All I know is if I were going to put weeds on the hotels, all the roofs, <laughs> I would call my company Weeds the People. Oh, my God. So we have um, in this city close to 9,000 people who voted. So yeah. 8,800. It's almost 8,900 people who have voted so so far. So the way it works is they give you 10 tokens that you can distribute between 20 different options. So there are 20 different things that you can choose from of what you think the where mm-hmm. the money should go. So it is stuff like um, hire d- dedicated code enforcement officers. There is support for North Side, South Side, Jefferson Avenue, expansion of Metrolink, uh, wage increases for city employees, um, youth drivers education, which, by the way, I'm putting all my tokens on that <laughs> because know. y'all in Missouri can't drive. Oh, my gosh. We talked about Awful. this. Yes. Um, renovate the river intake towers at the chain of rocks. There's, there's, uh, 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 yeah, all kinds of stuff. So, and it's what they're calling an ideas portal too. So it's not just that you're clicking a, this is what I want. They want you to be a quote idea champion. Yes. So if you're going to be an idea champion, you can put your idea on a card where you're actually typing out your own words. They said they encourage one idea per card. Of course, this is online, so it's an online digital card. Building off the ideas of others uh, and then also only use the location feature if your idea is place specific. But they, you can go through the cards, right, to see what others have said. Uh, you mentioned some of the uh, ideas that have been proposed. One was... Several people have said fix the EMS dispatch, like emergency services. Mm-hmm. Several have said pave the streets, just fix the existing streets. Some have said invested in domestic violence and homeless shelters. Um, again, hire more paramedics at competitive wages. Clean up the alleys and the trash. So what's interesting is some of this is just basic civic services that should already be done, like Cleaning, fixing potholes, paving the streets, and picking up trash in the alleys. A lot of that, which says a lot about the city. If here is a windfall of a quarter of a billion dollars, and our great ideas are the basic civic services that aren't getting done, there's, I mean, that's a that's, well, and, and I think what they what they have come down, it, it does say a lot yeah. that people believe people, city residents believe this stuff has not been done, and they're right. A lot of these things have not been taken care of. And a lot of areas are dilapidated because of it, because of neglect or or whatever. I'm not exactly sure what the excuse is, but it, it sort of rolled into these options here. And I mm-hmm. think, I mean, for me, um, I've put at least one token down. I think you could put you could put multiple tokens down if you think one thing is the most important thing. You can put all ten of your votes into it. Huh. I think supporting real estate development downtown or near North St. Louis is. Priority one. Yeah. That is for me. We they have felt, to get that going. I do have to mo- notice several people said a river walk, too, making it beautiful yes. down by the river. Major Garrett coming up. Chris and Amy on KMOX. 
1034 on a Thursday, and it means that we talk to Major Garrett, chief Washington correspondent for CBS News. He is the author of The Big Truth, Upholding Democracy in the Age of the Big Lie, and two podcasts, The Agent of Betrayal and The Takeouts. They're both very good, as good as he is. Uh, Major Garrett joins us on the Quiver River Electric guest line. What's up, Major? Good morning. How is everybody? I, I don't think we could be any better, Amy. I think we're doing great, Major. How about you? <laughs> Thanks for asking. You know, nobody ever asks us how we're doing. Exactly, exactly. I want to know how you're doing. Except for I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. It's a busy time here in Washington, and I'm also going to be substitute anchoring the CBS Evening News tonight, so it's a busy day for me. Excellent. Um, let's start with... Iran and President Mm -hmm. Biden had said that he would have a response to the Iran-backed militias that led to the death of three U.S. service members, dozens of others injured, and there has been a response. Can you uh, walk us through what happened? No, there hasn't been a response. Not the one that the Pentagon's talking about. Not the one the president has uh, suggested. Um, Lloyd Austin just finished a briefing at the Pentagon in which he said, this will be multi-day, multi-target, and it will happen at a time of our choosing and uh, at targets of our choosing. So it hasn't happened yet. There have been interactions with uh, drones uh, and the repelling thereof by U.S. warships in the Red Sea. That's a continuous part of our operations. As a matter of fact, the managing editor of CBS Evening News, Nora O'Donnell, has been in the region. She's flying back today. That's one of the reasons I'm anchoring for her tonight uh, with U.S. Navy personnel and on surveillance flights over flying the region, seeing how all of this activity is, A, being monitored and as often as can be repelled by U.S. forces. What happened at Tower 22 in far northern Jordan, right on the edge of the borders with Syria and Iraq, is that that had never been targeted before. The drone that came in that landed and killed three U.S. service personnel, injured more than 40, came in right behind a U.S. drone that was landing. So to let the U.S. drone land, the air defense system was taken offline, and that air defense system was not nearly as sophisticated as other places where U.S. military personnel are in the region because it had never been targeted before. That's a terribly unfortunate set of circumstances. And the U.S. military and the president, I I assure you, based on everything that David Martin, our senior Pentagon correspondent has told us internally and on air, this will be many days with many targets for many different reasons and in search of many different things, weapon stockpiles, personnel, and the means by which these various militia groups use them. So it hasn't happened yet. Stay tuned. So uh, U.S. intelligence, um, they believe that that Iran is actually kind of concerned with the, I mean, this idea sounds, uh, it, it sounds at odds because of what's been happening in Iran, funding a lot of these proxy groups, but they, mm-hmm. they apparently are concerned with how the proxy groups are behaving in this a drone attack that killed the, the U.S. service members. Mm-hmm. Um, they're worried about it escalating. Why don't they have better control of their proxy groups? So Margaret Brennan, our senior foreign affairs correspondent and the moderator of Face the Nation, reported on Monday night that since the death at the hands of the U.S. of Qasem Soleimani, one of the head of the uh, Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps, 
the death of that leader, the death of that significant overseer of the various Iranian militia groups, Iran and the Revolutionary Guard Corps have lost some operational control of the militias. This is one of the things that falls into the distinct category of unintended and unwelcome circumstances. The Trump administration and former President Trump takes great pride in having targeted and killed Sam Soleimani as sending a signal to Iran and doing something that shows the United States level of tolerance for meddling in the region and, and targeting U.S. military personnel would not stand for that continued activity. And killing Sam Soleimani was a very strong signal. Trump administration says we did that. We did that right thing. And in many respects, that's probably true. However, in the unintended consequences category, Soleimani did exert, as far as we know, a lot of control over what these militia groups did and, more importantly, didn't do. And Iran has less, it says, control over those groups as a result of that now. And that's a decided unintended consequence. But guess what? It's a consequence nonetheless. It's led to these militia groups carrying out things for their own purposes, maybe not so much in direct coordination with Iran. But guess what? Iran's going to pay the price, the one way or the other. Right. And I and I know with these certain groups or certain countries that are have terror groups very prominent or state sponsors of terror like Iran, there's always that that line of plausible deniability like, well, there's no telling what's going to happen. We have no control like they're taking their hands off of it when really we know Iran is still the largest state sponsor of terrorism. Right. And, and it's, it's an excellent point, Amy. I'm glad you mentioned that because you don't need absolute responsibility. Somebody sends a text message, go do this, or sends a, or makes a phone call or whatever. You don't need that. Where do they get the money from Iran? What does the money pay for? Weapons. Who supervises the purchase of the weapons? Iran. On, on whose tactical basis do they more often than not act? Iran. Add those three together, what do you have? Complete responsibility. So it doesn't matter. And Lloyd Austin, the defense secretary, said this at the podium about five or ten minutes ago. It doesn't matter if someone in the Iran Revolutionary Guard Corps sent an order. That's not, that's not, that doesn't, that's not meaningful. I mean, if we could establish it, it would be more meaningful, but it's not less meaningful that Iran is responsible without it. Can I ask, uh, this is going to be a super duper cynical question, but sure, it is an election year. Uh, Joe Biden running again. This is not ideal to have conflicts escalate in the Middle East during an election year. Is that playing a role in any of decisions about deterrence or how do we keep it as quiet as possible, at least until next year that the election is over? I know it's super cynical, but you know, you're heading into a year you want to seem like you've got things under control. So uh, I, I have, having covered every president since Bill Clinton, and Iran has not been a side issue for any president since then, even before that, there's no politically good time to go to war with Iran. There just isn't. It's bad. It, it, the U.S. military posture and planning has all sorts of preparations for it. It's always bad. It's always a really nasty set of circumstances because of Iran's cyber capability, because of its multifaceted terror 
terrorist groups and the ability to inflict damage against uh, U.S. allies, Europe, and the region. Um, so there's no politically good time to go into a direct military and prolonged conflict with Iran, because no one believes, so far as I know from U.S. military planning on this, no one believes it would be a short conflict. Uh, so every U.S. president that I've covered has wanted to avoid that possibility or probability, even to the point of trying to find ways to short circuit or negotiate Iran away from possessing a nuclear weapon. So, yes, it's a political consideration always, but I would say the preeminent political consideration is it's not welcome and there is no good time. And I didn't even mention the effect any war with Iran would have on global oil prices. People much smarter than I in this field say if you have a direct confrontation militarily with Iran, the global price of oil rises by $50 per barrel almost instantly. There's no good political time for that either. And when you are the U.S. president and you're thinking about equities, not just for the U.S. economy, but our allies in Europe and our allies in Asia, all of whom are struggling much more economically than we are, $150 barrel oil is no small matter to consider. So, look, the president has said many, many times. Now, there could be advocates to say, no, we should escalate with Iran. Or, yes, we should have a, con a conflict and we need to get it over and Tear off the scab, all that sort of stuff. Fine. Well, that's not where the president is. He wants to respond, make sure Iran feels it, make sure its capabilities are weakened for its proxy terror groups, but not deal with them directly, whether it's an election year or not an election year. And remember, after Qassam Soleimani was taken up by the Trump administration, there were other times when escalatory moves against Iran could have been taken and Trump didn't take them either for the very same reason. The Senate border bill um, mm -hmm. is a bipartisan agreement in the Senate. The mm -hmm. House appears to not have any interest in it. Uh, House Speaker Mike Johnson calling it a non-starter, even though he hasn't seen the bill yet. Um, right. with, with that being the case, how are how is he and and how are Republicans uh, trying to jive those ideas of we want the border secure, but we're not going to agree to this one? It's a really good question, and I think the Republicans have to figure out a way to answer that question. How can you call this a national security crisis of unparalleled proportions and be handed a bipartisan deal in the Senate that does not address any of the Democratic interests at all? Zero is only about securing the border and for the first time in decades, fundamentally changing definitions in asylum and legal asylum claims so courts cannot fly spec any future president on what asylum policy is at the border. That's something Republicans have wanted for more than 20 years. But House Republicans don't want to deal with that at all. And that has deeply discouraged Senate Republicans because they know it will be hard enough as it is to get Democrats to clench their teeth and vote for any legislation that doesn't address any of the things that they would like. Dreamers, path to citizenship, any of the other things that used to fall under the heading of comprehensive, they're all out. They're not even on the table. No one is even discussing them. This is all hard-edged Republican policy to tighten security at the border. If House Republicans regard that as dead on arrival, what Senate Democrat is going to take the politically perilous vote to vote for that? A very few. So momentum behind this is very much in decline.
and everyone is looking for various options. And one of the reasons no one's seen the bill is because they're not going to produce a bill unless they can have a sense that people will vote for it and it can pass. And they don't have that yet. So uh, as uh, anyone in avionics would tell you, a bad sign is losing altitude and airspeed at the same time. And that's what's happening now. Major, who's on the podcast this week? So the administrator of USAID, the Agency for International Development, is Samantha Power. She is a big player in all diplomatic and foreign policy discussions in the Biden administration. And she is at the tip of the spear in all U.S. economic aid in Ukraine and in Gaza. And we talk about those two issues in great depth because they are huge challenges for USAID. And Samantha Power is the one who sees them directly day in and day out. That is the Takeout Podcast. Major Garrett is the host of it, Chief Washington Correspondent. We appreciate it. We'll talk next week. Okay, guys. See ya. Thank you. Major Garrett, um, also the agent of Betrayal, Mm -hmm. good podcast, and uh, he is the author of The Big Truth, Upholding Democracy in the Age of the Big Lie. Did you see this? Coming up on Chris and Amy. Did you see that thing? I can't believe it. Something is obviously wrong. This is a joke, right? Oh, my God. Are you freaking kidding me? No way. You got to be kidding me. Don't feel bad. There's no way you could have known that. Now, did you see this with Chris and Amy on the show? Amy, are you familiar with the mob wife trend that's happening right now? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. So uh, women, young Mm -hmm. women, are dressing like mob wives. So it's what does that mean? So um, a fur coat is a big part okay. of it, but big hair, a lot of makeup. So is it mob lot wife of, lot from, of, from like the Godfather? You know, like the the stereotypical mob wife from a like a movie that you've seen in the past. Is this you like know? rude to Italian people? <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like isn't well, that kind of like derogatory? I don't know. I mean, but, I, I mean, like big hair. The mob killed a lot of people. Well. So, um, anyway, fur coats are a big part of this trend. And oh. Trendalytics yeah. has, says that, for example, yeah. Zara, the store, yep. clothing store, has a faux fur jacket, faux fur coat, that searches for it have gone up 212% in the last few weeks. Wow. This is a TikTok trend, by the way, the mob wife trend. Um, I didn't. There are times where these trends start and I think, yeah. OK, I'm just going to let it die and not yeah. talk about it. And then two, three weeks go by it's and now thing. we're going on a month and now it's a thing and everybody's doing it. And now we have to address it so that we can kill it. Right. Because so the mob wife. Okay. Like a, like a hitman. Big hair, I love. The higher the hair, the closer to God. I love big hair. I don't care who you are, where you are. Big hair is awesome. So the 80s, oh, brother. That's what we're talking about. I love the 80s big hair. The fur coat, it's a statement. It can be flashy. I think if you are of smaller frame, like it it can kind of swallow you up, right? Because it's just, they're so, you have to have the stature, like, you, you got to be taller, I think, to wear the fur coat, but maybe, um, I don't know. I, my guess is it looks very, um, it's a little flashy, blingy, because isn't the mob wife, quote unquote, mob wife supposed to look like wealthy? Yeah, wealthy with a lot of, just got a lot, yeah. you know, you a lot of jewelry. Gaudy. Yeah, a lot yeah. of jewelry, a lot of makeup, a yeah. big hair, all that stuff. And by the way, there are these vintage fur companies, mm-hmm. one called The Real Real. 
and the other one called The Sill. Mm-hmm. And they both say that their sales have exploded, yeah. that they have never sold as many coats as wow. they are, they're selling right now. So, and the real real is just like all luxury brands resell resold. So if you want a Prada purse or something, you can go to the real real. It's still expensive, but yeah. you can buy it there. Interesting. Okay, well this one is for you. This specific story here. Um, the Chicago rat hole. Yeah, the rat hole. So there was a, they were paving a road. Uh-huh. They paved over a rat Yeah. and his little poor little body He fell into it. He fell into it and then there was a hole in yes. the shape of a rat and people started bringing flowers and memorial well, then the city filled it in. Yeah. But then they got the people were like, "You can't fill this in. This is our special rat hole." So someone uh, scraped out the new concrete, and the rat hole is back. Oh, great! Yeah, you got to give it to people, man. They know what they want. I mean, there it, it's a memorial. People are getting pictures with the rat hole. They're leaving yeah. flowers and cards. It, it looks like a rat fell. It just <laughs> spread eagle on yes. into a block of cement <laughs> that was still setting. It's really, really funny. I like the rat hole. If we could, I would broadcast live from the rat hole. Hey, I would too. Matt Pauly, the neighbors there say they're tired of it because people keep coming to it and paying tribute. All right. So uh, Matt Pauly's coming up next. He's going to talk some ball with us on KMOX. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.